baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Leading up to and after the passage of recreational marijuana, I, as someone who supports the legalization of recreational marijuana, did have, obviously, some concerns. The number one concern being, what about people behind the wheel who are high? And part of that concern was, how do we test drivers as to whether or not they're high? That's my first question for Mike Hansen, who is the director of the Office of Traffic Safety, because today... Uh, a pilot project is starting where these tests are being put to use. Mike, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for joining me on the John Schuster Cobalt Banker Hotline. So how effective will these tests be? Well, Adam, thanks for having me this morning. And, you know, what we're doing today is we're, we're beginning a pilot project that is going to put another tool in our law enforcement partners' hands that will help them to evaluate somebody who is impaired by something other than alcohol. Now, whether that's cannabis or any of the illegal drugs that are out there, or even some of the common prescription drugs are are out there, you know, there's all kinds of substances that humans are using that cause impairment. And this device is just another tool that we're going to be able to put in the hands of law enforcement to help evaluate somebody who does have some signs of impairment. So this is a, forget, if I'm saying this right, Sotoxa Oral Fluid Mobile Analyzer. Is that uh, accurate as to what it is, and how does it work? Yes, that, that is one unit we're testing, and the other one is the Drager Drug 5000 okay. testing unit. And basically what it is is it's an oral fluid uh, uh, a uh, test that is used at roadside. Uh, a driver who is suspected of being under the influence of something other than alcohol rubs a swab around on their mouth, and then that swab is inserted into a cartridge, which is then inserted into the instrument. And within about five minutes, um, the officer will have a positive or negative uh, test result showing the presence of either the active substance in cannabis or any of the other uh, six drug categories that the instrument will test for. What are the other drug categories? I, um, can you can you uh, for, develop, or explain what those other drugs are that they'll test for? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, cannabis certainly is one of the drug categories. The amphetamines, the methamphetamines, benzodiazepines, the opioids. You know, those those common drugs that that are out there are the uh, the categories that are going to be tested for. A question I have is to the cannabis, first of all. A big question that many have wondered is the timing of it. So if someone has used, let's say they used the day before or two days before, would that still register? So how accurate is to the timing of when the usage is and how it's impairing the driver will these tests be? Adam, that's a great question, and it's one I get all the time. And the answer to it, without getting too technical, is the instrument is very sensitive to that because the the substance in cannabis products that makes a human being high is what we refer to as delta-9-tetrahydrocannabinol. Okay, when somebody takes the cannabis product in, either, you know, however they are ingesting it, that delta-9 is what makes you high. But delta-9 tends to metabolize or start to metabolize very quickly as the body starts to process it and to eliminate it. 
And so delta-9 turns into several metabolites as it gets older and older and older, and as that high effect goes away from the human being. And so what we're looking for is the presence of that delta-9, which indicates recent use, and when we say recent use, within the last several hours. But once it starts to break down, yeah, the body does hold on to some of that THC metabolite for an extended period of time, but a person is not high because that metabolite is present. So we're looking for that specific substance that makes somebody high. We're talking to Mike Hansen, director of the Office of Traffic Safety Pilot Program, begins today testing two methods of uh, analyzing drivers as to what kind of uh, drugs they may be under the influence on when they're behind the wheel. Similarly with like an opioid, Mike, if somebody is actually prescribed opioids and using them responsibly or using them as, as prescribed, I guess how do we differentiate that between someone who I guess is uh, illegally using it or is impaired? Well, and that's where, you know, the, the when we talk about those prescription drugs, um, you know, if, if persons are using them within the, the confines of that prescription, um, there may be some effects there. And drivers, you know, if you look at those little pill bottles, it says do not drive or mm-hmm. operate heavy machinery until you know how your body interacts with this, this substance. Okay. And so, you know, but there is also an affirmative defense if somebody is using that prescription within the confines of that prescription. But what law enforcement frequently encounters out there are people who are double or triple tipping um, on that prescription. And that's where that that influence or that hazardous influence effect comes in. And that's where the lab analysis and the toxicology and all of that will come in. These two tests, how widely are they used? Are other states uh, using them uh, past the point of a pilot program? In fact, now that they actually use them in day-to-day law enforcement? Yes, and uh, I believe there's 24 or 25 other states that are currently using them or are in the process of a pilot project and several more that are about to kick off their own projects, either full implementation or a pilot project. So these have been around for a number of years. They are well accepted. They are well studied. Uh, There are, I believe, two states that are actually using oral fluid as evidentiary tests. No, we're not doing that in Minnesota, and that is not our intent. We simply want to use this as a screening tool, much like law enforcement uses a PBT now to screen somebody who may be under the influence of alcohol. Okay, so right now, uh, during the pilot project, it's voluntary. And then moving forward, you're saying, so it would not necessarily be used as actual evidence rather than just a determining tool? Yeah. Yeah, you, you are correct there, Adam. For the, the purposes of the pilot project, it is all voluntary, okay? Somebody who is, is suspected of being under the influence of something other than alcohol will be asked to submit a voluntary sample. It's not admissible in any criminal case. It's not admissible for any driver's license sanction. It's not admissible or the officer may not use it as part of the probable cause to effect an arrest. It is simply a voluntary sample collection for data collection purposes and to validate the accuracy of the units and so that is the whole goal behind that but if it is approved if you start using these tests will they be used as actual evidence and as probable cause right and that that is part two of the pilot project we'll collect all the data and then next fall um, our office will prepare a report for the legislature on the accuracy reliability and the effectiveness of these tools and then we will ask for that authorization to use these in the exact same way that we use a pbt to screen a driver who may be under the influence of alcohol 
Uh, Mike, I guess, you know, recreational marijuana has been legal now since since August. Not a huge sample size, not a huge amount of time. But what kind of impact have we been seeing uh, in your estimation as to the effect it's having on drivers and maybe drivers under the influence in Minnesota? You know, it's a good, valid question, and one I also get very frequently, um, but I can't give you really a solid answer. Just because, um, yeah, we have legalization, but the infrastructure isn't in place to really support the industry yet. Um, There are very few places where cannabis products can actually be purchased. And so we just don't have enough data yet to be able to tell you what type of an impact we're seeing out there. What I can tell you is when I compare the current five-year period with the previous five-year period, the number of drug-impaired driving arrests is up 96%. Mm. So we see a huge growing problem with drug-impaired driving and specifically with polydrug or multi-substance drug-impaired driving. And so these are some of the things that we're trying to identify. The data that we're going to collect through this pilot project will help us get a clearer picture of what is actually happening on our roads. And then we can develop the countermeasures and, most importantly, the educational strategies that will help drivers and potential consumers make better decisions before they get behind the wheel so that arrests or that crash never takes place. We're talking to Mike Hansen, Office of uh, Traffic Safety Director. You mentioned the rollout after the legalization about how even uh, on the business side, it's still unclear about you know who's selling what in the legal aspect of certain products that are being sold. It kind of seems like ketchup. Would you say the same for public safety and that it seems like okay, the law was passed, but we feel on the public safety side like we're playing catch-up here is to try to come up with laws and abilities to determine whether people are using it. That seems to be behind the... the, You would like to have put this stuff into place, in other words, before it would have been legalized? Oh, certainly there are advantages to that. But I wouldn't necessarily... uh term the the public safety approach to this is catch-up because we've been very proactive knowing that this was on the horizon. A great example of that is the number of drug recognition evaluators that we have out there. Um, These are highly trained law enforcement officers who are specially trained to recognize and then to document the signs and symptoms of a drug-impaired driver. Um, We have 320 currently across the state, which is a really solid number, but we continue to have at least three schools a year adding another 80 to that cadre. So our eventual goal is to make sure that any peace officer across the state within 20 or 30 minutes has access to a DRE if they are dealing with somebody who is impaired by something other than alcohol. Mike, thank you so much. I know you've got to run to a press event here, and I appreciate the time ahead of that. So uh, we appreciate it. I'm sure we'll talk again. Hey, thanks, Adam. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'd love to talk to you again about it. Mike Hansen, Director of the Office of Traffic Safety. 1118, uh, we'll react to, to what Mike had to say and got some text coming in, too. Uh, that's next on CCL. So are you confident that if somebody is impaired behind the wheel uh, under the influence of marijuana, that authorities would be able to detect that? I'm not, but at the same time, I'm wondering what how significant a problem a this is and b will be now that marijuana is quote legal not to say and i'm not saying that you know it's now no big deal if you're high behind the wheel that's not what i'm saying i'm wondering though whether it's alcohol or some of the other drugs that mike hansen was talking about are of more significance are more of a problem than marijuana is and 
do I have confidence that these two tests that they're going to be using detect that marijuana? Because I still don't think, really, uh, based on Mike Hansen and appreciate his time, because they are out, they're about to do a live news conference uh, debuting these two tests. I don't feel real confident that the timing of usage of marijuana is determinable. In other words, if I got high in the morning, let's say I don't have to be at work until or don't have to do anything until, you know, your typical stoner slacker lifestyle, you wake up, you do the wake and bake, you get high in the morning. <laughs> that was going to be the name of my the, morning show. The wake way. and bake. The wake and bake. Uh, that, okay, I'm high in the morning. I'm, it's several hours later. Now I'm going to go drive to the office or whatever it is or drive to, you know, go see friends. And I get, in, I, I get pulled over. I have this test. I don't know my confidence level that, okay, I'm not impaired anymore, but even though I used marijuana hours ago, that still shows up. I'm not confident that that, this test, and I could be, I could be totally wrong. It could change my view on this. That that test will be able to det- distinguish that, because I feel like THC stays in your system quite a long time, and the level of impairment, I guess, is. I mean, alcohol is pretty clear. You got the number. It's like what's the blood alcohol in your system? Yeah, but I think the, the main difference is that alcohol we're familiar with. Yep. And these tests and even the numbers, like I'm sure there is a number yep. or a metric to measure this, but like it's not public knowledge. Whereas you, know, you say 0.08, what's yep. that? Everyone knows yep. that that's the legal limit for alcohol yeah, in your right. blood just because that's what we're all familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody texting in here, and if you've got some thoughts on this, by, by all means, 651-461-9226. I think it's the other drugs that I'm a little worried about. And you heard Mike say, what, a 90-some percent increase in people uh, under the influence of uh, some other kind of drugs, pills, or whatever it is. Uh, this texture says, I watch On Patrol Live that follows law enforcement departments around the U.S. I do not think I have seen them test a person for marijuana. They ask a person stopped if they have smoked or have marijuana in the car. The police look for and test for harder drugs seem to not concern themselves with just marijuana unless there are large quantities. And that's my thing. I Based on level of concern, and again, I'm not suggesting that somehow being high on marijuana is easier to drive or more safe than being under the influence of alcohol or other harder drugs. I'm just wondering on the as far as priority level, uh, as far as what police are testing for. And again, that might change, as David points out, with getting more specific as to how these tests determine levels of impairment. In regards to the other conversation regarding where it would be legal to use cannabis, why would we not use the current laws regarding open bottle use? It seems like wherever you would not be allowed to openly drink, seems simple to decide. That would not be legal to use marijuana in public places. Yeah, that's a different conversation, but one that I think also we kind of were scratching our heads about, about, okay, well, you can just smoke marijuana out in the open. It seems to me that there should be some sort of restrictions on that, but at the same time, when we have that conversation, we're now loosening restrictions on where you can have an open bottle, including here in Minneapolis. They, they're proposing that you know the Nicolet Mall somehow yeah. be an area where you can have an open container. 
yeah. as you're walking up and down the street. The thing about cannabis use, though, is that because of gummies and other products and drinks and the variety of products that mm-hmm. the public isn't that familiar with, yeah. you can use almost anywhere you want and nobody really notices. Where if right. I walk into a place and crack a beer, everyone knows that yeah. I'm not supposed to be doing that there. And that's what concerns me, too, I guess, if I'm thinking about it. And people, A, who are not terribly familiar with how they react on this product is those folks, which still, like the folks who have the seltzers. You know, you drink a seltzer, and it's like, well, I don't feel anything. I guess I'll have another one. Suddenly you have another one, and you feel perfectly fine, and you get behind the wheel to drive somewhere else or drive home or wherever it is, and suddenly you are on the road, and then it hits you, and you realize, whoa, I am now feeling this. And do we trust people that they'll pull over or go wherever and get in a safe spot and give up the keys and say, no, I'm, I'm obviously I'm feeling it too much. I can't, I can't uh, drive here. Someone says, good luck testing with the, for the saliva test. Everybody has cotton mouth. That's <laughs> from a seasoned smoker, apparently. Uh, it's good that the state is implementing the test for cannabis, but I'm more concerned about the lack of enforcement of the speed limit and people texting and talking on their phones. Also issues. Uh, yeah, distracted driving, I think, is right up there, if not more of a concern than impaired driving. Because so many more people are distracted, I think, than impaired. I think if you're talking about an impairment from marijuana, like 100%, like distracted yeah. driving and intentional reckless driving is yes. a bigger problem. Yeah, see it on the road every day. January 6th, uh, it's tomorrow. It is the third anniversary or the three years since... I'll say it, the Capitol was attacked by a group of people. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Full stop, it was an attack on the Capitol. It wasn't a tourist, uh, it wasn't a tourism event. It was an attack on the Capitol. And why we can't come to grips with it, I do not understand. We'll get into that next. Why can't we simply say that that was an attack on the U.S. Capitol, an effort to stop the counting of electoral votes on January 6th and confront that? It doesn't mean you cave in to political ideologies you don't believe in. Can't we just look at that and say, whoa, wait a minute, we've gone a little too far. Most people in their right mind did that in the 24 hours after January 6th happened. And then what happened? Weeks later, well, no, no, I don't think it was. We saw it with our own eyes. And don't tell me about buses of FBI agents being trucked in. There is overwhelming evidence of people who had coordinated efforts to breach the Capitol, to stop the counting of electoral votes. And no, I'm not saying that every single person who showed up to the rally that day, who then marched to the Capitol that day, and even ones Every single person who went into the Capitol that day was an insurrectionist stopping the counting, uh, intent on stopping the counting of votes. I'm not saying that. But there were plenty who were. 
plenty who were. Why can't we just admit that and say this is one of the ugliest moments in our history and say enough is enough? Again, it doesn't mean that we just get in line and follow with whatever kind of ideology you oppose to. Why can't we use this as a moment saying this is ugly? This is not who we are as a country. And I'm curious as to how you're thinking about this as we approach. <clears throat> I know anniversary doesn't really sound right. The three-year mark since January 6th of 2021. I remember exactly where I was. Chad was on the air. I was. It was during the pandemic, so I think Chad was at home. Dan was here in studio, and I was doing the news from a remote studio because we didn't want to be in the same room together. And we were talking about the topic, and I'm sitting there watching the TV, and I'm seeing smoke, and I'm seeing barricades go down at the U.S. Capitol, our own citizens doing this. And I could not believe it. And at the moment, I'm thinking, well, this is it. For better or worse, this is the breaking point. This is where we say we've gone way too far. Yes, the pandemic has a lot to do with it, with the division we face. Certainly uh, the angst, the the questions over the 2020 election, which had been litigated and continue to be litigated. And guess what? There's no compelling, strong evidence that somehow there was mass uh, malfeasance to overturn the 2020 election. There just isn't. You can be upset that your guy lost. You know what? You work harder the next time to get him elected. And guess what? He may be elected again. Donald Trump, may, again, we talked about this yesterday. If the election were held today, he'd probably win. But why can't we look at this moment and say, we're better than this? This is not the America that I want to be a part of. Unless you just say, no, this is the America I want to be a part of. By any means necessary, we get what we want. So how do you feel about that? I, I, I Maybe because I was just going back and forth with a texter. Somebody asked, was it an attack or an insurrection? And I said, you know what? It was both. Because in an attempt, again, it was an attempt to stop the counting of electoral votes, not by everybody, but by some. And this person responded, I think it was, to, I'd say a protest or question the election. 100%, there were plenty of people there to protest the election and question the election. That is fine. Even though I think it was misguided, I totally accept that that's what they were doing by the protester-in-chief Donald Trump. But guess what? There was an organized event. The evidence is indisputable that some certain amount of people turned that into an attempt to stop the election, stop the counting of electoral votes. Well, and if this was just a mere protest, we wouldn't be talking about it three years later. We wouldn't be celebrating the anniversary, celebrating the anniversary. Right. Mark, not the right way. Mark, thank you. Yep. Of the time that some people marched with signs and, you know, were unhappy with the results of that election. We're talking about three years later because there was violence and people breaking into a sacred building in our country. Right. And doing damage to that building. Calling, where's Nancy? Calling for the hanging of the vice president of the United States. Frightening stuff. And at the time, too, this is the big question, too. At the time, I said, okay, just what I mentioned. Is this the breaking point? Does this break the, for lack of a better term, the fever of politics, of 
such divisive politics. Get back to a place where we can disagree. I'm not, again, I am not saying, nor does, if you disagree with this, suggest, or if you're objecting to this, if you, if you say, whoa, this is disgusting, this has no place in our country, doesn't mean you automatically are somehow a supporter of the Joe Biden or something, not a, you're, you're not a Republican. You're not a, you can be a Trump supporter and look at this and say, you know what? I don't like this. And I think there are plenty of people out there that are in that camp. We hear from them, thankfully, saying, you know, I don't like, I supported President Trump, but I don't support that. Doesn't mean you turn in your Republican card and say, well, I must be a lefty then. No, you can look at that objectively. Adam, I totally agree with you uh, that it was an attack on the Capitol. My question for you is, would you call the burning of Minneapolis an attack on Minneapolis? All we mostly heard when that was happening was that the police were using tear gas and rubber bullets, not about how bad it was. I may be wrong, just curious. I think that the attack it was absolutely an attack on Minneapolis. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I don't think that uh, the burning of the police precinct was somehow a vindication or somehow a victory for those who had the very real and have experienced the very real discrimination at the hands of Minneapolis police or the killing of George Floyd. Do I think that was justified in the burning of the 3rd Precinct? I do not. But if you tell me that there were protests of that, rightful protests that turned violent, absolutely. And guess what? People have been charged and people have been thrown into prison because of that too. It was absolutely an attack on the Capitol. That's from Jason in Oak Grove. I do not know what the hell is the matter with Tom Emmer and the rest of the Republicans, the delegation in Minnesota. They must really be stupid. Anyone who supports Trump after the January 6th assault on the Capitol three years ago is basically a word I can't use. I can't believe they even talked to him. Uh, another text here, six five one four six one nine two two six. The most ugliest moments in U.S. history has been when... B- Uh, History is when Biden cheated and stole the election. No evidence of that. There's no way he should have won that election. Why? Why? You don't think that uh, just because Donald Trump got more votes in that election than he did in the previous one doesn't mean there was a whole group of people that didn't want him and voted against him. Why is that so hard to understand? Attack, yes, but the Dems made every Trump supporter an insurrectionist, B.S., Compared it to 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. Uh, there are some who've compared it to 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. I don't. No, we didn't see 3,000 people die on January 6th. Um, but as far as ugly moments in American history, it ain't far from it. And no, and yes, to suggest that every Trump supporter is an incident, I just said, that is absolutely not the case. Even people who went into the Capitol that day probably got caught up in the moment, but they all... They all weren't just, oh, we're just going to, you know, go in here and see what's going on. There was absolutely a coordinated event or a coordinated effort by some of those folks to break into the Capitol, do damage, and stop the counting of electoral votes. Uh, we go to the phone lines. Aaron in Minneapolis. Aaron, jump in here. Excellent show today. And I, excellent show today. And I just have to say thank you for presenting uh different opinions on this i watched three people who were close to being killed at the capitol 
and they were on Morning Joe today on MSNBC. And I just have to say, to create a walk in the park, which the Speaker of the House is trying to do, mm-hmm. and to create a hero worship, which Donald Trump is trying to do, is insane. It's beyond belief. And I just have to say, I'm so so embarrassed many times to be an American and see who these people are. Get real. People were killed. It wasn't a little celebration. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to hold we have to hold Donald Trump totally and completely at fault for what happened and what he didn't do. And as soon as people realize the reality of this, maybe we'll come to senses. We're the laughing stock of the world right now. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, January 6th was not an attack on the U.S. Capitol. It was an attack on our democracy. Uh, another text here. These are just texts. 651 Anyone who equates January 6th with the Minneapolis riots is a complete moron who's being intellectually dishonest. Uh, you talk about the precinct getting burnt. Well, you can thank our governor for not letting law enforcement take care of it. And yes, I know it's harsh to say, but they should have shot people who uh, were trying to burn it. And instead of run away and let them go, no, I don't think they should have shot people who were trying to burn. They arrested them, and people have been charged and convicted of that. I don't think we should just shoot people uh, without jurisprudence, without, or without, uh, without, without court. Uh, Matthew is in Plymouth. Matthew, jump in here. Hi, Adam. Hey, I agree. There was an attack. It was uh, an insurrection. Uh, and I, I still, to this day, it just it makes my blood boil. Yep. He's supposed to be someone that supports the blue, and he watched the right. whole thing. I, I think That's that what I, I can't get over that, that part of it. Yep. Anyone that knows a police officer, that respects police officers, that wants to be a police officer, should still be irritated, pissed off about it. And Trump, to me, is... He's like a six-year-old that loses it, shoots and ladders, and he doesn't know what else to do but go, oh, you cheated. And mm-hmm. instead of flipping the board over, he flips the country over. And I just, I'm, I just, well, I'm getting all irate about it now just talking about it. But thanks for bringing it up, Adam. Thank you. I uh, appreciate the call. Have a great weekend, Matthew. Um, that's a pretty good way to put it. And he uh, thinks about nobody but himself. And there's a very real possibility he's president again, which is why yesterday we talked about, this week we talked about political violence and what happens if uh, things don't go uh, the way that he wants in the next election and what happens and scary reaction from either side uh, having to come to grips with what happens, which leads to uh, a lot of trepidation about what's going to happen coming up. In November's election. Of course, a lot of time until then, you know, never know, things could change. Uh, lots of text now coming in comparing it to uh, the Minneapolis situation. The Minneapolis situation was horrible. And no, I didn't. Who applauds when the city is burning? Except for some anarchists, by the way, who infiltrate a lot of these crowds and create havoc because they want to see just for havoc's sake. And I know there's a lot of people that think the crowd at the Capitol was the same, that somehow it was Antifa or other groups. Were there people there that probably wanted to do any kind of damage no matter and didn't really affiliate with one side or the other? Probably. But there's overwhelming evidence, though, on groups that were coordinated 
um, trying to stop the counting of electoral votes. And it was a dark day in history, and it should be remembered as such. And the scary thing is, again, going back to my point on that day where I think a lot of us thought, well, this is the hopefully the end of a very divisive time in America. It might just be the start of another chapter. Uh, 11.48, let's do this. Let's break now. Uh, we'll lighten it up to end things. We'll revisit uh, some of our uh, more uh, humorous or serious conversation from the week. We call it the Friday Rewind, and we'll find out some of the highlights or lowlights from the past week with Adam and Jordana. That is next on CCO. We're in a winter purgatory, and it sucks. Give me cold weather and snow right now because this weather is awful. I'm sorry. We're in the this whatever El Nino, whatever the heck it is. I am sick of this because we're in a no man's land of winter. If we're not going to have snow, then at least give us 60 degrees, okay? I'll move somewhere else where it's warm in winter. Up here in the north, the great north, the bold north, so to speak, we got to have snow and cold. I'm sorry. Because we're in the middle. That we that This is like do-nothing land right now. It's do-nothing land. And welcome to do-nothing land where you can't do anything. It's not warm enough to really enjoy it. And it's not cold enough and snowy enough to really enjoy it. Who's with me? Yeah. Who's with me? Okay. Joining us now is Tori Van Oot from Axios. Tori, biggest stories uh, coming up for 2024. What are you keeping your eye on? From a politics standpoint, the big story is the presidential election year, right? But the biggest, you know, electoral story here on the election side is probably going to be control of the state house. And that, you know, the state house, uh, not the state senate, but the state house is up for election, all the members there, and just a handful of, you know, legislative districts changing hands between Democrats and Republicans could flip control of that chamber and end the trifecta. So that'll be the big, big political yep. battle of the year. Mark Bruley, who is the police chief of Brooklyn Park, you were up there with uh, Hennepin County Attorney Mary Moriarty. She is someone that I, we've been critical of, and I know a lot of uh, local law enforcement in Hennepin County, either on the record or off the record, have also been critical. I've been very critical, but one thing I would also say that's been very refreshing with this county attorney is her willingness to pick up the phone have a conversation and explain herself. And she's also been very inclusive on decision-making and or bringing police chiefs, specifically me, to the table um, and getting my opinion. And that has not existed in this county for a very long time. And so... um, Didn't happen with Mike Freeman? Did not happen with Mike Freeman? No, and I wasn't the police chief, but I was deputy chief at the time. But no, I mean, most, I'll be honest with you, a lot of things that we learned was from Mike Freeman when he was in the media. When he would, you know, I'd watch... uh, a news station and learn um, what his opinion was on any particular issue. Okay, this brings us to a question about what you have a mastery of. Jane is in Minnetonka. Well, there's to, first of all, grammar. I am excellent at grammar and I'm an old lady and I cannot stand when people don't do it, including on your station when him and I went to the state fair. But the other is I can figure something out within two minutes of meeting them and if they're a good person if they have an agenda let's go to jim on the wcco talk and text line jim your hidden talent 
my hidden talent is that for the last 50 years, I've been able to go to the Minnesota State Fair and put the softball in the milk bucket for the big prize every time. Never had to do it more than twice, and I give it away to the first kid that's going down You're the road. You're lying. You're lying. Nobody has that skill. I'm not lying. You're lying, Jim. I have that skill. I think I have good comedic timing. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 